Well, now you know. This is TFG Unbuttoned. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash. An off-the-cuff take on politics, pop culture, and current events. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Tim Bennett here with my good friend and co-host, John Nash. Join us wherever you find your podcasts each Tuesday morning. Head over to focusgroupradio.com for easy links to Unbuttoned and our weekly broadcast, The Focus Group. We're now in our 13th year coming to you live each week. We're broadcasts uh, live through Facebook and YouTube at 1 p.m. East and, of course, available on multiple media platforms uh, throughout all you time shifters that want to listen at your own pleasure. Special thanks to Critics' Choice Video. It's America's uh, classic movie and TV authority since 1987. And they've been with us since the start of Unbuttoned. So head over to focusgroupradio.com and click on the Critics' Choice logo and start shopping away. How are you, Mr. Nash? I am doing great. Welcome to the new week. I'm happy to report that uh, last week um, we went to see Bob's mom again uh, at, at her apartment complex in Jersey. And a lot of the restrictions are gone from when we first last saw her. We had to check in at a special thing before pulling up to pick her up and we couldn't go inside. But now you can visit as long as you're wearing a mask. And they really have a great and we went to a restaurant near her called the Trap Rock and we had a great outdoor lunch. And it reminds me of what you had said when you were down at the beach about how nice it was to go out and dine again. And it was it was just terrific to be with her, to be outside. I naturally thought to myself, we had a great day. It was like 85, no humidity, and we were under these tents. But I thought if it was 94 and 100% humidity, <laughs> you might not be so comfortable, right? Right. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I love the idea of everybody having this outdoor dining option. It's just, uh, for me, very weather dependent because I don't like to be uncomfortable when I'm eating. I don't like the sun beating on me. Um, I like being outside, but I like an umbrella. And then bugs is another problem for me sometimes eating outside i don't know if you get bothered by the mm -hmm. but we had a, and, and if there's a breeze you usually don't and then bob's mom was getting her first her haircut today it was it was on the calendar it was an important date because it's the first hairstyling since you know the whole uh pandemic began and bob got his haircut last week in the city and we were there for a few days which was great um to see some of our neighbors and i had a board meeting and uh you know i'm not going to say I wouldn't be foolish enough to say things are getting back to normal, but though it's the little things like being able to eat out, eat at a restaurant with a family member right. or getting your hair cut. It's the little things that kind of add a, it almost feels like you're on solid ground again and not on quicksand. You know, I know that we're, we're still got a long way to go for this, but at least it's that little thing that makes the difference. Yeah, no, get some normalcy and some uh, contact with people, which is, uh, which is always great. We're social beings, so it's it's good to be with people. Now, before you kick off the first story, because this is going to be a transitional thing, I have I mentioned this? Did I talk about the ice cream truck before? About soft serve and my my burning desire for a small vanilla cone. <laughs> well, you did mention it on what it was either on our live show or it was on on Button, but so <laughs> well, did you the get truck it went by. So uh, the truck went by the other day. And it set up shop near uh, Fort Tryon Park, near where we live. And I thought, oh, I can hear it. I could hear the slight music down the. And I thought, hmm, you know, all I have to do is go out and go up and get one. <laughs> I didn't do it, so I just want to use that as a bridge. Oh, John, to your first excellent story. You're no fun. So yeah, <laughs> so you, you heard in the opening. Um, there's been lots of talk about systemic racism happening here in the United States, and quite frankly, globally. 
And a lot of times it happens innocently or we're, we're not even aware of it. And this one, to me, this first story and the other two stories uh, subsequently. But uh, the first story that um, we're going to discuss came from NPR. And I saw the headline and I thought, wow. So the headline is, recall that ice cream truck song, we have unpleasant news for you. So essentially, the, the typical, uh, when you hear the ice cream truck and it's, it's playing some, somewhat of an old tune or a centuries-old tune, the, uh, and a lot of it is a throwback to um, Turkey in the Straw. These ice cream songs were done as a, uh, as a way to alert people on the ice cream truck that it was in the neighborhood. And so everybody recognizes the jingle. And this writer, Theodore Johnson III for NPR, started digging into it further and found out that this particular song written in uh, March 1916 and put, released by Columbia Records by Harry C. Brown was actually a, 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 a black minstrel song, which was very, very racist and included the N-word and uh, watermelon and a bunch of other mouth-dropping uh, references that were very, very racist. And so... I thought to myself, my God, I remember hearing the song because I listened to it and I remember the ice cream truck and such a happy, innocent thing. I thought, here we go with not knowing what the roots for a lot of these things are and ended up, um, it becomes a very complex issue. And I was wondering, what, uh, were, you, were you surprised by this and about the music? So you sent this my way. A, there's a, actually, there's a theme to this unbuttoned, and this is... A, pretty much because of Tim and I'm utterly, utterly fascinating is the way I'll put it. I would urge you to check out the article that we're talking about at NPR, and it's called Recall That Ice Cream Truck Song, We Have Unpleasant News For You. And as you mentioned, Theodore Johnson is the author. It not only goes from this particular uh, song, which was, you know, based on, everything's based on this earlier tune called Turkey in the Straw, and the minute you hear it, um, you'd recognize it. And if you had, if it had that tinkly bell, whatever, you'd say, oh, it's the ice cream truck. But what stunned me about this was that song was released in 1916, right? Yes. 1916 doesn't sound crazy long ago. I mean, I know it was over a hundred years, but, um, but the music itself goes back to like the 1820s. And, and the, as Tim said, the, the, the black minstrel shows and, when you read this article, it's just astounding how woven into the culture um, racism in many ways has been. They would people would not call it that, and and back then you would not even recognize it for that. But he draws in references and inferences uh, from what was happening in the popular culture with cards that people like trading cards, right. like you know bubblegum cards that people used to exchange that featured very very. Um, gross caricatures, in my opinion, of, of black individuals. And it was just taken as rote that this is what you were, oh, oh, it's the minstrel show, or oh, let's get these cards. And so at the very end of the article, um, having done this deep dive into the origins of this very simple song and how it's been used multiple times with different lyrics for different things, but mostly for the minstrel shows, at the end of the article, you know, he he poses a question that I think we would all ask ourselves after discovering this kind of thing, which is, do you tell your children immediately or do you do something about it um, to to like kind of short circuit the whole thing? And, and the way he ended it was, do you tell people about Santa Claus? Do you tell <laughs> about, you know, the tooth fairy? 
and he, he he said in his own way he'll let the good humor car roll by until the kids are old enough to realize to make the connections but it's as you said at the start of this sometimes it's unknown to us it's benign and it's been woven into the fabric right yeah and he asked the question as to you know why this happened and so the cross crossover happened with the 19th century ice cream parlors they used to play popular minstrel songs of the day so after world war ii with the advent of the automobile and the ensuing sprawl the ice cream parlors were trying to figure out a way to get more customers so the ice cream truck was a solution and they were playing the music that you would have heard in the ice cream parlors, which were, was this popular mm-hmm. minstrel songs. And when he poses the question, I thought, it is such a, I will never think the same now when I hear music from the ice cream truck. Now, not all ice cream trucks play this song, but as soon as you hear it, you'll recognize it, particularly if you're of a certain age. My thought was, I think it's a good discussion to have. And I'm sure if they made companies aware, if you and I owned ice cream trucks, and we innocently had that playing, not knowing the history. And then somebody said to us, the first thing you and I would do would, would replace the music, right? There's other music you could probably put on plenty. the ice cream truck. Yeah, plenty. And, and so and I think the- this is, this brought something to light to me because we like to think we're liberal or we're smart or we're well-read. But this was such a face slap to me. And I, I thought, wow, I can't even believe this. And uh, that's why we included the story. Well, I, and you, I remember when you said this to me, you said, read this and read it carefully to start to finish because you, you just said something a moment ago that I want to like revisit. Yeah, it was a slap in the face because he wrote this in such a fashion that I was not taking to task for not knowing this. Right. It was not a, it was the, the tone of the piece is so kind of like, here's what I've discovered doing my archi- archivism and my deep dive. And oh my God, you're not going to believe what I discovered. And now, and but he he does it in such a way that we all come to our own conclusion about this. And it's not like we're wringing our hands and we're running out to the streets to get the the song off the truck. But now you know. Now we realize, and it's those subtle things that could make a difference. Like if you did own a fleet of these trucks right. and you and you were aware of this piece or how this song came about, I would quietly get that track off the truck, right? <laughs> It's a good lesson, and you're exactly right the way he wrote it. It's a good lesson for all of us to realize that um, the systemic racism issue, and not just particularly with African Americans, but with all different races, um, is been woven through our fabric. And it's a difficult discussion a lot of people are having right now, and um, and we're, we can all learn from it. The second story, again, I felt um, innocent. I didn't necessarily think or know that this was a slur. But the maker of Eskimo pie ice creams will retire the inappropriate name. So, again, the famous Eskimo pie, which is the ice cream, vanilla ice cream square with the chocolate on top, uh, has been around for nearly a century. And now the new owner, Dryer's uh, Ice Cream, is going to change the name and uh, because they have realized that, uh, again, this was a racially insensitive name to the Inuit population and um, the other people which live in the northern northern uh, hemisphere i guess but way northern hemisphere near the arctic and i never again you and i were traveling cross country and we'd seen something that looked borderline racist it was we were here in oklahoma weren't we we saw this ice cream thing with the eskimos and we were kind of shocked by the way the imagery looked but i didn't realize do you know what eskimo means or what the translation was where the, the name came from i didn't realize that this was a slur but it was it was a name given to them the eater of raw meat yeah, yeah. And 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 see <laughs> as Tim said a moment ago, it's 
the people have used the term, but um, it, the uh, the indigenous individuals, Inuits and the Yupik, for example, knew that 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 was the term. So it's I, it's amazing to me that we've had this like just Eskimo pie or the term Eskimo right. in general, right? Well, we just thought and of yet, igloos, right? Eskimos live yeah. in igloos. That's and and I don't ever remember it. And again, maybe this is just because we went to schools or because of white majority. Of um, not thinking that an Eskimo was a was a derogatory term. Neither did I. Neither did I. And it's a it's one of the. But again, this article, like the NPR piece, was one of those ones where it was written in such a fashion that the author gives you the information, and you prob you arrive at the same conclusion they did, which is mm, okay. It's probably because at first I thought, oh, why are they changing Eskimo pie? They even described the. Um, the packaging right in a very cheery term they're like you know the packaging has long featured a small dark-haired child wearing mittens and a heavy parka and a fur-lined hood in fact they show a picture from i guess it must be the 40s or 50s where eskimo pies were like 10 cents and there's a a little girl with the parka and the hood on a toboggan right. and there's a polar bear behind her and a penguin and they're all because <laughs> that's right right yeah you know, eskimos lived with the igloos and up in the icy cold it's kind of crazy, right? Ice cream treat. And this goes on. We, we've talked about this on our other show, but the the changing of cream of weed, Uncle Ben's, uh, Mrs. Butterworth, and uh, Aunt Jemima, and a few other brands that are going to be changing their uh, changing. Did their you see any of the um, side commentary on Mrs. Butterworth? There, there was, you know, around the time that Trump was speaking in Arizona to that church filled of students um, who think he is, in fact, the best thing since sliced bread and he's going to save america one of them who gave us a talk before he came on stage actually did some piece about how how dare they take down Aunt jemima because actually she was a freedom fighter or whatever and and everybody and one guy sends back on twitter like google google is your friend and no she was it's <laughs> it's what you think it is right yeah. <laughs> this is butterworth was not or Aunt jemima i think it's crazy Yep. And then the uh, the last story is Walmart gets backlash over T-shirts with All Lives Matter and Irish Lives Matter slogans. So Walmart, Walmart, Walmart.com, and particularly the Canadian subsidiary, is facing heat for selling T-shirts that feature variations of the Black Lives Matter slogan. So they include All Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, Homeless Lives Matter, Irish Lives Matter. And so social media went crazy because they said they felt this was alle allegedly mocking the Black Lives Matter movement, which has been very much in the forefront with uh, what's going on with the uh, the police killings of 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 uh, that we've all seen in the news. So I I looked at this and I thought, here we go again with some of these retailers. I just wonder if there's some merchant who just says, let's let's capitalize on black lives matter and we're going to do everything and throw it. Cause then I went to the site. The shirts are still all up there. There's all kinds of shirts. You can get just about anything lives matter, um, that you could type in. And, uh, I thought, are they just co-oping from a business sense? I don't think they're, uh, I don't think they're trying to uh, diminish black lives matter. I think this is a case where Walmart's just trying to make money. Well, they claim that the um, that the dot com version of the store is kind of an online marketplace, and it also includes some of their third party sellers who they allow to sell through the Walmart platform. But of course, it's branded as Walmart dot right. com because they're on there. But and that's how they want to try to to back off this by saying, "Oh, well, this these third party people will have a talk to them." 
But as I read this, and given the evolution of this of these last few weeks and this summer in general, um, I do find it insulting uh, that they would offer because if it's that that game of of refuting Black Lives Matter by saying all lives matter or, or white or blue or whatever. No, at the moment, you know, like the moment we're in, we're talking specifically about the, you know, the African-American community, specifically in the U.S. and around the world, systemic um, bad treatment. I can go on and I don't even, many smarter people have said it far better than I ever would. But this, um, this just smacked to me like, this is such an easy fix, right? right? And why they would still be online is a shock to me. This is so simple to fix. If you believe in the statement and you believe in what's happening this is a no-brainer you, you get on you get your third-party seller and you're like sorry folks uh, we got to pull this whole line off you can find somewhere else to sell that merchandise right. if at all yeah no, <laughs> I, all. I, I went this morning right before the show to see and, and it was still up there the best explanation i've heard with with trying to explain to people who don't understand what black lives matter means as i said for instance the the susan Komen, um walks for breast cancer and breast cancer obviously is is uh is an important issue particularly for people that it's affected and and families and so forth and they said it would be the equivalent of you going to a a susan Komen rally for bre- women's uh, breast cancer and saying well what about prostate cancer prostate cancer matters and they said it doesn't mean that prostate cancer doesn't matter it doesn't mean so black lives matter doesn't mean other lives don't matter it just means it's part of the whole Mm-hmm. And um, well said. And yeah. and and that was there's I think people just mis- misunderstand and immediately go into their corners and uh, nobody's going to deny the uh, the horrific images we've seen on TV about particularly in Minneapolis with George Floyd. I mean, it, it oh, just... oh, you don't think people will deny that because there was there wasn't there this thing recently where, where Trump was um, actually claiming that the, the whole thing like the protester that got knocked down in Buffalo and the blood came out of his ear that it was all fake. All there fake. was a little tube. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> if you're if you're in that world, nothing real is going to make a difference. Right. You, you've bought into the fairy dust, right? Yeah, sadly. So, hey, thanks. Uh, thanks to our partner here, Critics Choice Video. They're America's uh, classic movie and TV authority since 1987, and they've been a partner with us here on TFG Unbuttoned since we started, so we appreciate uh, them bringing us to you each week. Right now, they've got a summer sale still going on. You save an extra 25% on orders over $25 during uh, the summer. It's a great time to stock up on your library for uh, whether you got some favorite LGBTQ films or other different genres and uh, movies and TV, you can click on the on the left-hand side on the on the screen after you click on the link john prefers you get a catalog though right john <laughs> non-linear shopping and uh this week i'm going to recommend a movie that i'm recommending to myself because i have not seen it but it comes to us from cri- cri- the criterion collection so you know tim and i always say the criterion collection is the gold standard because they rework the you know they 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 clean up the negatives yeah. they clean the soundtrack up they add all this great backstory stuff in so here's a movie. Have you ever heard of the movie Leave Her to Heaven? No, I haven't. It's a, it's a film that was released in 1945, and it starred Vincent Price, Mary Phillips, Gene Crane, Gene Tierney, and Cornell Wilde. Now, oh my Gene gosh. Tierney and Cornell Wilde play, uh, he plays a novelist that falls in love with the perfect woman, quote unquote, Gene Tierney, a beautiful socialite who initiates a whirlwind romance and steers him into marriage before he can think twice 
Yet the glassy surface of Ellen's devotion soon reveals monstrous depths as Richard comes to realize that his wife is shockingly possessive and may be capable of destroying anyone who comes between them. <laughs> and then it says a singular Hollywood masterpiece that draws freely from the women's picture and film noir alike. Leave her to heaven boasts elegant direction by melodrama specialist John Stahl, blazing technicolor cinematography by Leon Shamroy, and a chilling performance by Tierney, whose Ellen is a femme fatale unlike any other. All I had to hear was John Stahl, who I, I know some of his other films, and then I heard Technicolor. So you know this film is going right. to look like it was made yesterday, especially if it was on Criterion. So how did, you, late, how did you find this? I was digging around, and I I just saw the the the, the box. Right. You know how we. I love it. I just I pulled it up here, and the, 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 I love it. I mean, it. She's it, got the sunglasses yeah, on, and perfect. And you know how you, you know how you say you can't judge a book by its cover. I say balderdash. I think you can. <laughs> this looks like one of those Harlequin kind of you know campy yeah. Harlequin romance things. So um, I would urge you to check out Critics' Choice Video. Get there by going to our site, focusgroupradio.com, clicking on the Critics' Choice Video logo. They are America's classic movie and TV authority since 1987. And if you take my advice, I'm taking my own and I'm ordering this, get the Criterion Collection version of Leave Her to Heaven, a film I have not seen before, but I'm dying to Order see it. Order two. You... Get me one. <laughs> I will. All right. Hey, everyone. Um, Please have a great week. Thank you for uh, continuing to join us here on Unbuttoned every week. And again, our live broadcast, The Focus Group, is available on Wednesdays from 1 to 2 p.m. East on Facebook and YouTube. Or you can, of course, get it at focusgroupradio.com at any time. So have a great one. It's The Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Available every Tuesday. Learn more about Tim and John, Unbuttoned, and all of the Focus Group platforms at focusgroupradio.com.